Hello, friends. Welcome to Mogwai Minute. Have you ever found yourself fleeing the invading forces of a guy who looks a lot like a painting, and one who looks suspiciously like a samurai cop? I know I have. John, how about you? Well, first up now, you've got the wrong damn show again. We're doing Die Hard Minute. That, and again? You, again, we're and still we doing this it. show. It took seven hours, but we did it. It's done. <laughs> I know, but... We can't keep on top of this. There's too many shows. We don't know what we're doing. We've got to change the tape. Get Die Hard Minute rolling. Uh, I can't believe bloody flew all the way over to Hong Kong to record Mogwai Minutes. And all right, man. So let's start all. Star over. Hello, and welcome back once again to Die Hard Minutes, the podcast where we analyze the 1988 film Die Hard one minute at a time. I am one of your hosts, Niall McGowan. I am one of your other hosts, John Parker. And today we are joined by another guest, all the way from Hong Kong. It's one Gaz Flint. Good evening, everybody. Yeah, today we're talking about Minute 24. Minute 24 begins with uh, Hans and his ilk stepping off an elevator. And it ends one minute later with John McClane booting it up the stairs. So let's get to it. The first shot here is the continuation of the shot from minute 23, where we have Hans and uh, the rest of the terrorists. Uh, we see next to him is Marco, and then we see in the background James. Polo. Who, uh, Sorry. <laughs> who we'll be uh, talking about in a, you know throughout this episode. But we get to see, too, that like, I think this is like beyond like later on when the vault opens. This is like the happiest we see Hans, because he's like properly... He's brimming. Like, he's really kind of like... It looks a bit like he's, he's properly smiling. He's got like a giddiness of like, it's like a kid coming down the stairs in Christmas morning oh. of like, oh, we're going to start some stuff now. You know, well, he's, yeah, his, his plan is coming into effect. You know, he's, he's happy. He's been, how long has he been planning this? Could be years. Yeah. But it's just because he's usually such, you know, he, he usually is, you know, cucumber boy, you know, as in cool as a, and no. um, he's, uh, it's rare to see him so sort of giddy looking. Oh, bless him. It's wonderfully shot when the elevator door opens because you see him at the front and then you see all these kind of lackeys behind him mm, mm. it kind of looks like the poster for a group of supervillains or something with the boss <laughs> the boss man at the front mm. it just kind of tells you everything as well because he's like at the front and he's kind of like looks higher he looks taller than them even though he's clearly not mm. and oh they yeah all, yeah they framed it well yeah they framed it brilliantly and he's not got a gun and you can clearly see the rest of the rest of them have guns it's like See, there he's like, he's, he's the boss. He doesn't have a gun. <laughs> Apparently bosses only have tiny pistols in these <laughs> movies. Yeah. They never have like a big gun, do they? It's always a little oh, miniature yeah. pistol in their pocket. That's always the yes, because it's the job of the lackeys to have to be the muscle. Why would they require a big gun? Like it's... Just in case. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're committing a terrorist act. Mm. So, it's you know, a bit more I'd classy as well to have like a little posh handgun. Like he oh, does yeah, have a yeah. little, it is like silver as well, isn't it? The gun he pulls out later. Yeah, yeah. They've got, like, just these black, unwieldy machine guns. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will also say as well, like, you know, um, the people at the Nakatomi Plaza, not too observant, because these guys are <laughs> right next to them. And it's like, all it requires is a little bit of peripheral vision to be like, there's a big group of men with machine guns, but they stand there wow. for a good couple of seconds, and nothing happens. <laughs> it's like To be fair to them, I mean, they, they do sort of creep in if you just hear the elevator going you probably wouldn't think twice i mean it's a party people might be going no, the, around the building the is, there, there's a woman so, though who's just like 
she's literally she's not got the back turned to them. Her, it's, she's just like side facing. So it literally, it's just out of the corner of her eye. All she has to see is one guy with a machine gun. It would be like, wait, what's that? And then ah, you know. <laughs> And uh, I thought like maybe that was going to be like oh that's that is what happens but like it's the gun sh- the gunshots go off first it's not like I thought like oh it might have been the woman screaming was what draws attention but it's like no it's the gunshots they have to no one noticed them they had to make themselves known by you know <laughs> presumably shooting like the ceiling sometimes I'm deliberately oblivious to things because I can't be bothered to talk to people <laughs> so I just pretend like I haven't seen them so it could be something similar it's like oh I can't believe I'm in a terrorist situation if i just ignore them they might go away maybe that's just an everyday occurrence in the nakatomi plaza a bunch of guys yeah, going through yeah. guns but then it's <laughs> this only is the when fifth they start... one this year <laughs> yeah it's only when they start to fire them they're like oh, oh. yeah or like someone's just like serious this must be like the strippers they brought in it's like instead of them dressing as cops they've all come in with like oh there seems to be some sort of like militia group or something i don't know <laughs> but, but uh, yeah as long as they're hot because some of these guys are pretty, well, some of them are pretty sexy. Like we'll we'll talk about them later. <laughs> one of them very much not, and a few of them, yeah, I, I, I can see it. I can see it. But uh, which which ones hot and which ones aren't? Well, uh, I'll get to them because there's one in particular who's <laughs> oh, you know, uh, actually two of them, two of them side by side later on. One of them's like hideous, and the other one's like yeah, as I can see for like '88, and he would be like a pretty sexy guy, but. <laughs> uh, but then we get you know as the gunshots are fired we get a shot of McLean reacting to it and uh, still trying to get through to Argyle on the cut phone line oh and one thing I did notice that like I want to get people's opinions on this and this could potentially sprawl out into the the forums or whatever because um, oh, I noticed yeah. McLean his watch is on his right hand which usually because I always wear my watch on my left but he's got this business of it's the the face is down. It's not you know outward facing like the the face of his clock or the face of his watch is in the yeah, inside yeah. of his wrist. So he has to yeah. like you know he'd have to lift you know, lift up his hand and look at his wrist to see the time. But like literally like I know that's what you have to do anyway. But like it's usually people wear their watches facing outwards. This is facing in towards him. He does that in every movie. Yeah, but like is, is, is that like is that Bruce Willis's watch wearing habit or is it like oh okay yeah. I think I might be wrong, but I'm pretty sure that's a cop thing, isn't it? What was it? The is there any particular? I don't. Can we, can we theorize a reason for it? Or? I'm not sure what the reason would be, but I've, I've definitely seen other people doing it in TV and film and stuff, and it always seems to be cops. It could just be a coincidence, but I mean, could it be? I don't know. Could it be for when you're holding a gun? I don't know, and you you need to look at your your watch yeah. i don't know i don't really know i mean i don't see why you'd need to do those two things at the same time but a quick google no. soldiers especially infantrymen wear their watches with the face on the inside of the wrist to avoid having a shiny reflective glass or luminescent numerals give away their position ah. ah and that could be the same for a cop as well and also when i was flicking through the prequel comic he did serve in the military yeah apparently, yeah that's what McLean. i was going to say that's a that's the thing in the notes for minute 25 I was going to bring up. There's a thing um, that links, that, that strongly suggests that McLean had military training. And yeah, so I guess that, that could be like, that's a, literally a thing that they actually considered. It was like, yeah, it's a little detail we'll put in there. Or it could be like, that's a mad coincidence and Bruce Willis just always wears his watch like that. <laughs> no, that, that's definitely attention to detail. This movie's got a lot of attention yeah. to detail compared yeah. to maybe some of the later ones. <laughs> I can imagine, like, you know, if you're, like, a sniper or something, and you literally you had to have this, the gun trained up for ages, you could just kind of look over to see your watch then. But it just seems like a, in practical day-to-day life, because I've seen people out in the real world do it, but it's like, 
it always looks more theatrical when they look at the time because they have to bring up their whole arm to look at their to stare into their fist. And then like usually when you just want to check the time, you can just kind of like flick your wrist and just kind of glance down at it. But this seems to be a whole big like, no, nope, got to bring it up. And <laughs> Yeah, it would be a bit a bit annoying, to be honest. Um, I don't see the problem with having it on the right uh, the right hand, though. I mean, that's fine. Some people, well, some people wear two watches, I've even seen. One on the left, one on the right. Yeah, I have no <laughs> idea why you do that. Yeah, it seems insane. Style. You ain't cool like me. You're not stylish. So, hold on. Is he got on his left hand? No, he's right. right. Oh, okay. This reminded me of, uh, so I remembered in Third Rock from the Sun, you used to see Dick Solomon, like John Lithgow's character, always had a belt and then suspenders on top of it. I was like, Jesus, that guy, is he, he, those trousers are not coming down. <laughs> like, whatever happens. <laughs> I think that's, that was a stylistic choice, but uh, this is not Third Rock from the Sun minutes. Oh, no. Well, something I thought of here as well, much like in the previous minute, I find it very peculiar how suspicious McLean is immediately when all that's happened is the phone's gone down. Like, because his face, he seems really confused. Like, something must be going on. A communications disruption can mean only one thing, as I've already referenced. <laughs> because look at his face. <laughs> he, he's really perplexed. Especially back then, phones going down, that happened all the time. Mm. Well, to be fair, like this, this <laughs> That's now not an unusual is about thing. to elevate drastically when he hears a gunshot going off. Yeah, but he doesn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> he's looking at that phone like, what the hell could be going on? And Argyle did the same thing in the last minute. Argyle was confused. <laughs> Let's not forget that he's calling a damn car phone. Well, this is unreliable. This could be like one of the things that strained the McLean marriage, though. It's just like it's just like any time anything happens to the phone, he's just like, "Holly, what the hell?" Are going to-? It's like it's a man who <laughs> likes his phone calls and he likes them to be quick, efficient, no lag, no cutting out. That. <laughs> that was like my dad back in the day. You know, if you were if you were on the internet for more than twenty minutes, he would insist he needed to use the phone. Get off! I need it. it, it what if someone calls? Like, Nobody's going to call you. Shut up. Now we get McLean running to the door. Yeah. Yeah, is that the sequence of events? And then um, we get a shot. No, the gunshots happen. Yeah, the gunshots happen. And then the woman screams. He bolts into action, goes over to the door to investigate. And we get a shot of this painting on the wall. This, I don't know. Are you you guys a fan of this? It's it's one of these like modern art. No. Oh, I like that. That's the kind of thing I I would I noted the painting. I was like, what is that? That's terrible. Yeah. But then again, it's the kind of thing I could believe they'd have in somewhere like Nakatomi. Mm. This, this, oh yeah, it, especially in the eighties. Yeah. It looks like something. It looks like you know, like the old school intro to like Doctor Who or something. Like it's just you know, like would you just get the Tom Baker's face to disappear in this, and you get a shot of the TARDIS or something? Because it's just this like, oh, what is this? A kind of weird vortex of gray smudge leading into the center and stuff. I don't, I don't quite get what it is, but. Um, it's uh, it's unique. I'll give it that. It looks kind of, I mean, it's paint, but is it going for a kind of cracked glass effect? Yeah. I'm not really sure. It looks like it's 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 more like because it properly looks like this. You can see visible bumps on it. Like it's just like as the paint's just been chucked on, and that's kind of yeah. part of the appeal. But like, could be just a yeah, shoddily put together painting for a quick shot in the movie or whatever. But it's just something that set designer found, and I was like, yeah, that's tacky enough that they'd have in an office. <laughs> put it up. Am I really weird? But below the painting, what what is this thing? Is it a is it a statue of a duck? Uh, yeah, it is. <laughs> it's right? A, yeah, it's totally. Yeah. A oh yeah, it is. Well, there's a really that. weird duck statue there, which I again I love. Yeah. I want that. <laughs> That's well, well, what's 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 this in terms of the uh, mise en scène? What's this saying? Like, uh, it's, it's like uh, shooting ducks in a barrel because he's got they've got this whole room full of hat. Uh, What's fish in a barrel? That doesn't make oh. any sense. 
They've got all their <laughs> yeah, we, they've got uh, all their ducks yeah. in a row. Is that what they're trying to? And he's the one lone duck. Well, what's that flower? Are they orchids? I wasn't too sure they're uh, orchids or <laughs> like a lotus or. Do you... They look plastic to me. Are they even real? They do. They do. Look, they look plastic to me as well. Mm. Which is also quite an eighties thing to just have plastic flowers. Yeah, it's the eighties. I am uh, very impressed, though, with the the speed that John McClane like leaps into action, because you can tell oh he's he's a hardened yeah. cop. He knows exactly what to do. It's almost automatic. He doesn't even think about it. He just grabs the gun, mm. get to the door, yeah, see yeah. what's happening. He peeks out to see what's happening as well. Very clever. He doesn't open the door and just reveal yeah. himself like oh what's going I mean, on. Like literally later on in this film, it's like the. I, think, I can't remember which henchman it is, but he he literally throws up in the door. McLean's right there and just shoots him square on. It probably would have been that exact situation. Stupid. <laughs> you notice how he holds the gun up, and mm. all the terraces that came out of the lift were holding their gun up. Mm. You know that that's not what you do with a gun. That's a purely Apparently, Hollywood thing. Yeah, I've heard. Why, this. why is that? Just so they can get like a shot of, for example, in this scene, a shot of Bruce Willis, John McLean, and the gun in the same shot. And they can show they show all the terrorists holding the guns up. You hold guns down. You don't shoot a gun like right next to your face. Or it, you know, it might go off next to your face. I think it's a safety thing, isn't yeah. it? Because you might accidentally shoot someone if it's higher than like you know pointing. Sorry, if it's pointing higher than the ground. This is you see in every action movie. They never you know people actually shoot guns. They hold them down. Mm. They don't hold them up. It's a purely Hollywood thing. Yeah. And yet again, it's especially an 80s thing, because all those movies back then, they didn't care. Exactly. They were like, I just want to see the hero with the gun. It's a real poster thing as well, because you think of like, the poster for Die Hard, a big close-up of Bruce Willis' face with a gun right next to it. Like the poster for lethal weapons, like Gibson and Danny Glover back-to-back with the guns up. You know, it's, it's, it's indicating this is an action film that you're watching right here, kids. Yeah, know? exactly. But uh, I know as well because I know this is usually your department, John. But uh, did you check which which gun oh. he has? Or oh no, what's wrong with me? Now, if, listeners, you may not know this, but on uh, on Batman eighty nine, I regularly research what weapon people are using with very boring <laughs> outcomes. But this, this, uh, <laughs> apparently, this is the uh, Beretta ninety two F, or it says Beretta ninety two F slash FS. I'm not too sure about exactly the what they're saying here. Is maybe like later shots it's used. They use as a slightly different model or whatever. Mm. It just made me think that because the word Beretta always instantly takes me back to the Die Hard video game, like Die Hard Two or Die Harder in the Die Hard trilogy game for the PS One. So I remember, like I think the yeah. Beretta. What I thought at the time was that you'd pick up a Beretta and then that had like a dual action. Like, you'd have two shots in it for whatever reason. And years later, then I realized, like, no, you have a Beretta initially. And then when you pick up another one, it just means that you have two guns. And I was like, oh, right, right. <laughs> but for years, I thought, like, oh, yeah, Beretta's, like, a special type of gun that has, like, it fires, like, two bullets at the same time or something like that. But but there's always, there's that trope of people using dual Berettas in things. I'm not sure what that's all about. You even do it in the game Counter-Strike. I think you can wield dual Berettas, I'm pretty sure. So I'm not sure where that's come from. That must be a... That must be from a film or something. Think of, you know, Tomb Raider as well. I don't know if it was yeah. that she had, but it was the tomb. Mm. I remember that was the bit. Like I can't remember. I remember talking to someone who had a problem with that. But like at the end of the the rebooted game, like the one from 2013, I liked that that was the thing at the very end. Like she finally picks up two guns, and you're, you have to shoot the the final villain with the with the dual guns. It's like mm. oh, it's a cool little knock knockback. And then I was talking to someone. I was like, yeah, it was terrible. What the hell is that about? <laughs> it's like, what are you, what are you on about? But this again, <laughs> you know, again. 
getting into guns and facts, it's impossible to shoot two guns at the same time. I can imagine you could probably do it if you'd spent like 10 years practicing nonsense. <laughs> yeah, yeah, your eyes don't work like that. Yeah. yeah, again, it's a purely made-up Hollywood thing. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just really wondering now, though, like, of all the people listening are like, why does this guy know so much about guns? Like, why does this, ran- <laughs> this random English guy living in China know so much about guns? <laughs> Man, don't get me deported. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I know you're gun running over there. <laughs> but, um, no, no. He's yeah, let's clarify that one. But uh, anyway, we should probably get back to the minute, I suppose. Yes, yes, we probably should. Um, is it? I had a question though about the gun. Like, is it okay for him to have that gun? Like, can you literally just walk around in America with your pistol as if it's your phone or something now? Because, well, I know he's a cop. I think it's entirely it's entirely because he's a cop. I think that's that's why. Yeah, yeah but he's a cop, right? But other American TV and film has led me to believe. That if you like go to another state or something, then you're not a cop there. Like it doesn't uh, matter. I think it's more be like oh, it's like, oh, you're outside of your jurisdiction, but I think they're still allowed to, you know, if they had to like break something up in the street, they still have their badge and they still have a gun to take care of situations. So they're still they're on, I guess. Because I do, I think there's even a bit in uh, Die Hard with a Vengeance, isn't there? When he's uh, he's talking to the lorry driver in the tunnel, and he's kind of leaning over, and the guy spots the gun and. McLean's like, oh, so it's okay, I'm a cop, and all this sort of stuff. Like, I think, because the guy has a look of concern, like, oh, Christ, it's nah. a guy with a gun. And it's just like, it's the instant, like, oh, no, it's okay, I'm a cop. And it's, it seems to be understood, like, oh, that's fine. Ah, uh, okay, <laughs> okay. I was wondering, because I thought maybe, like, once you left your state, like, you, you probably shouldn't take your gun. <laughs> I wasn't too sure how it worked there, because it doesn't work like that. Hey, well, we don't really have guns. <laughs> okay. He obviously takes it onto the plane, doesn't he, mm. to get to LA. You can just take a gun on a plane <laughs> at different times. Jeez. <laughs> Well, uh, as he as he peeks around the door, anyway, he sees a ponytailed bad guy scaring women and throwing them about all over the shop. Yeah, this woman comes out and then instantly slips on something. Yeah, it's a good fall as well, isn't it? Yeah. It's a very good baseball slide that she does there. <laughs> I couldn't find out if that was um, intentional or not when I was looking at some, uh, some extra material. Nobody even mentioned it. It's such a throwaway moment. I don't think anybody cared to mention it. It could have been like, she did that on the day. It's like, she's just, she was just an extra and she's like... I'm going to slip and fall, and then maybe I'll get like a proper shot. And then they're like, oh, that was really, that was great. We'll use it. Yeah, I got the impression maybe it just happened. And yeah. they're like, cool, leave it. It reminded me very much of this This may alienate American and non-UK listeners, basically. But at the beginning of the, the show, uh, The Crystal Maze, which is like a, was a quiz, kind of an adventure quiz show hosted in the 80s by uh, Richard O'Brien. Oh, the 80s and 90s. Oh, yes. One of the opening shots is like all the dynamic things of like, you know, people have to run around from zone to zone, whereas all these like themed, you know, quizzes and uh, tasks you had to do and stuff. But one of them was like someone, this woman running and she just slips and falls. And that's in the opening credits of every episode of The Crystal Maze. <laughs> it's like, you just know that woman every week she's watching it with her family and they're like, ah, <laughs> you idiot. Oh, the poor woman. Yeah, it could be like this woman though. It could be just like, Every time Die Hard's on, she's like nudging her kids, or she's nudging her girlfriends, or whatever, and she's just like, "There I am, it's me." You know, it's it's like it's like that guy in the the season two opener of Twin Peaks. There's a random close up of a trucker going, "Ooh, damn, that's a good cup of coffee or something." You can imagine him years later. He's just like, "Oh, the episode's on, guys, go on. It's, it's my big, it's my big moment." So like, yeah, this woman's probably like dined out a couple of times. I'm like, you remember that woman who slips and falls when she gets hauled out of the room in the in Die Hard? 
you're looking at her, you know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'd get her autograph. If she turned up to a Comic-Con, I'd be there. <laughs> woman from Falls in Die... No, Woman Who Falls in Die Hard movie. <laughs> It was a prestigious role. We're, we've been talking about it for minutes. So, you know, it, she did her job well. Whoever you are, we salute you. I actually couldn't find out her name either. I'm sure it is somewhere. But, you know, when we have limited access to these materials, since we're not yeah. the full-time hosts of this show, you know, uh, it was a bit more difficult. I think so, like the, the Batman wiki is surprisingly, like, they probably would have an entry about, like, someone who fell but the, the Die Hard wiki is not quite as... It, it's surprisingly in-depth because it has, it has, like, info in all, all the terrorists. Like, all of them have. Yeah, like, yeah. People whose names you never knew have entire biographies in the Die Hard wiki. But um, speaking of which, because then we kind of get our first shot of uh, one of the, the most notable terrorists. Disappointingly, is just named James. Yeah. <laughs> That's not right. Come on. The more eagle-eyed viewers will recognize him as Vigo. The scourge of Compathia. The sorrow of Moldavia. <laughs> oh, I was hoping you are going to do the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, what is the whole thing? It's like, on a mountain of skulls, I sat on a throne of blood. <laughs> and again, we'll mention that flat out. This actor plays Vigo. Doesn't say any of those lines, though, because <laughs> they had to dub him because he was he's terrible. <laughs> so. He's that bad. Yeah, they got uh, Max von Seidau or Sindau. I can never pronounce Seidau, his name, but Seidau from uh, obviously The Exorcist and you know Ming the Ming the Merciless and Flash Gordon. Whatnot. Well, and most recently The Force Awakens, briefly. Yeah, yeah, and Game of Thrones actually as well. So uh... mm, yeah. who is he in The Force Awakens? He is Law Santeca. If you want to be really geeky, <laughs> <laughs> he's the guy who Kylo Ren at the beginning when he lands in that encampment. He's the old guy oh. who's like. Uh, you know, oh, you've you've gotten so old. Something much worse has happened to yeah. you. All, all that, all that business, like. So. Yeah, yeah, I know that guy now. Yeah. The thing is, like, maybe they just couldn't afford him, but like, they got in this this actor. I suppose we just call him. Uh, what's his name? It goes by the name uh, Wilhelm von Homburg. What a name! Yeah, but I guess they got him, and then they realized, like, oh, we're gonna have to dub him. But the thing is, if you can get in Max, it's like. Yeah, we probably should have had him as Vigo from the get-go, really, because he's he looks intimidating as all hell as well. In researching this guy, because I've always enjoyed this actor, and I always enjoyed him as Vigo, until I looked into him, and uh, now I feel like I can never enjoy his work again, oh, basically. Oh, because... it ruined it, because we, we always talk about how we want a giant life-size picture from Ghostbusters 2, a Vigo, yeah. don't we? And uh, mm. now we, don't, we can't. That, that It would be wrong. Yeah. Right. Well, me, me and Niall used to live together a few years ago, and for one birthday, I tried. I looked everywhere to try and get a big poster of Vigo, like just a painting from Ghostbusters 2, just to put in our living room, and I couldn't find it. I looked everywhere, and I ended up just printing one off and putting it in the frame. <laughs> Good enough, though. It was like an A4, though. It wasn't quite as the, the, the monstrous thing we were hoping for, unfortunately. If I remember, I got you a present as well, a different present. Oh, no, no, it was, it was all good. The, the thought was there. The thought was there was <laughs> what I'm saying. But yeah, you just can't get that anyway, and you thought that didn't... Well, this is probably why it's not readily available, knowing about this guy's life. Yeah, so once you find out about the guy, like, uh, no, guys, you did, you looked into this as well. Do you want to take this, or...? One thing is that, uh, you know, in his early days, you should mention his name's not actually... Wilhelm von Homburg. He actually was born Norbert Group. Norbert? Another yeah. good name. Another good name. Norbert. Uh, and he was... Uh... Actually, won't it be Gruppe? Oh, it could be. Well, there, there you go. Probably, yeah. 
But yeah, and then uh, he was born as a, a son of an affair the dad was having. And uh, life kind of went up and down from there, really, to be fair. But uh, yeah, eventually him and his dad went to America. They became professional wrestlers for a while, known as the Vikings. Oh, not, not the most original wrestling name, but you know, it was probably back in the day. Oh yeah, I think this is like the 50s or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh... Would this have been like actual professional wrestling, like, you know, the stuff that's scripted? Well, I think it, it looks like the, I've seen, there's a poster of them you can get, and they seem to be in like proper, like the big old furry cape and oh. the big horned hat. So I think it was like theatrics. Like, so, oh yeah, that's awesome. got to be, yeah. Not like, you know, Greco-Roman Olympics. No, 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 not, not at all. No, I think it was probably like, maybe, you know, it wouldn't have been on the TV at that point, but it would definitely, people would have paid to come see them, I'm guessing. Yeah, yeah eventually then uh, like their relationship kind of, you know, drifted apart a bit, and then he became a professional boxer for a bit, was quite successful, and then um, he lost, like, much like, like Ronda Rousey, basically, like he was, like, un- undefeatable until one point he actually... He was disqualified from one match, and then he flat out lost another. And after that, he was just like, "No, I'm done. Like, I'm never going back." Kind of thing. Like, it's it kills your whole mystique, your whole thing, your gimmick, doesn't it? Mm. But yeah, so I guess he just decided, just like, "No, that's it. I'm I'm out. I'm out of this now." And then apparently he went for a couple of years, and um, he was hanging about with the Hell's Angels. He was uh, just doing a lot of drugs, hanging around in brothels and things like that. And then he went to prison. For something that's very unfortunate. Uh, I don't know, Kaz, if you want to deliver this blow, but... Uh... Uh, well, yeah, apparently he broke into his father's house, and... I don't know if we can say that word on this the show, but uh, if we have to censor it, we'll make it clear that he broke in and uh, sexually assaulted his father's wife, shall we say. That's the, the most yeah. PG way we can say that. She had a baby, and they had to have a paternity test to see whether it was his or his dad's. Jeez, and then uh, which is yeah. yeah. And apparently, then he's like he got into acting for a little bit, and they had this sort of this period. But then apparently, by the end, they said like he was uh, he was going around penniless and uh, you know knocking about in the YMCA and whatnot. It's like one one thing that seems to be like the kind of the final nail in the coffin for the guy was uh, apparently when his dad died. The uh the family didn't tell him for a month. Whoa! They were that distant. It took a month for that information to get to him. And then when he himself died, apparently uh they the the family then were only informed a month after he died because he spitefully was like, "Well, don't tell them until a month after I'm dead to get them back." Basically. <laughs> Which oh my like, god! That's a petty, petty man as well. <laughs> oh jeez! Yeah, he's gone down from being someone I thought would. Oh, he's pretty cool to. One of the worst people I've ever heard of. <laughs> yeah, it's like, so uh, that, that is potentially the, the mystery answered of why you don't get giant Vigo posters. It's because it'll be a giant poster of this guy. So. Yeah. And you, you, don't, you don't want that. So, But have you looked at what work he's done other than, well, Die Hard and Ghostbusters too? Uh, I know, I reckon, because I've seen him in, um, in The Mouth of Madness, the John Carpenter thing. Because like, I yeah. remember that's, that's, that film's crazy. Like It's, it's great, but it's completely... It's completely nuts. <laughs> so uh, I highly recommend it, though, if people are in the forum for that kind of thing. But uh, uh, I've not seen him in much else, though. And well, one thing came up. Well, just I was like, "What is that?" Looking at his IMDb page, it was in a film called "The Silence of the Hams." Oh, <laughs> which, <laughs> which yes. was a spoof of "Silence of the Lambs." Really, I get never guessed. Yeah. <laughs> My God, how do we not crack that code? <laughs> also starring Billy Zane. Oh my god, yes. This is getting watched tonight. 
Billy Zane just never had a chance, did he? Like, it's just the guy is—he's such a good actor. Like I really love Billy Zane, but he's in so much absolute garbage. But like, he's always great in it, though. Like I remember he had a guest spot in Charmed for a couple of seasons. And then, or like for at least eight well, seasons. Charm's okay. Ah, it's not, it's not bad. I remember he was amazing in it, but the whole show was just terrible around him. And it's just like, it's, 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 he himself probably knows, like, I'm better than this. But I, I don't know. I'm not landing the parts. What do you want from me? <laughs> that, that kind of yeah, thing. he'll do anything. Screw it. It's work at the end of the day. I've not seen this film, Silence of the Hams, nor do I plan on watching it. <laughs> but he plays a maitre d. Uh, and it's he's very he's very very low down in the, in the cast list on IMDb. Mm. <laughs> so I, I can't imagine it was a big part. Yeah, it's like one scene or something. Well, I mean, <laughs> if, it, yeah. if, if it becomes a thing in your contract that, like, well, if you hire this guy and he has dialogue, you're going to have to get in uh, the guy from The Exorcist to dub him. That's <laughs> probably like oh, we don't want to spend the money on that, <laughs> so probably not getting the best parts there. Uh, yeah, it's probably get on with the rest of the men. Actually, we've dwelled on dwelt yeah. on this fellow for long enough. <laughs> Well, now we, we cut to a, a frightened, but as composed as can be, Holly, as she tries to figure out what's going on and what she can do. And I think this is actually a pretty, uh, pretty genuinely scary like, sequence of events. Like, like you can feel the tension. It seems like a real terrorist incident to me. It's, uh, it's well done, this little shot of everyone rushing around. Mm. It doesn't look too acted. Yeah. I think she we... doesn't look like over the top, like, oh my God, what's going on? You know, like, it, it's quite genuine. Like the camera work and the framing is just very good. This, mm, this mm. Minute. But the uh, yeah, very efficient. <laughs> and then we get um, it's one of these things like I, I kind of had like a, a mixed relationship with this little bit, whereas oh, okay. uh, we get uh, Marco uh, hauling Hello. out. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he's, he hauls out uh, a couple from you know we're obviously you know doing the business in uh, one of the business rooms. Making love, yeah. <laughs> But to be fair, though, that's the things I had. A, I was just like, oh, yeah, this is a shameless, a, a shameless scene. But this actually does have a, a weirdly integral plot point now, because at this point, it's James is he was going to check the room where McLean was in. He was walking towards that door. He sees this and he's like, oh, and he walks over for like a second, checks out that. And then he's just like, ah. and he wanders over. And in the interim. McLean has managed to nip out and up the uh, the, the stairs that he was ah, eyeing up perfect earlier. Perfect distraction, yeah, yeah, yeah. then. Yeah, I hadn't thought about yeah. that. Yeah, so it is. Yeah, no, no. I uh, picked up on that too. He's got a little cheeky grin on his face, hasn't he? After he sees them. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to mention this because the the terrorists seem to be having fun with all of this, mm. which I thought was a bit weird because I don't think most terrorists genuine like generally do it for a laugh. Yeah. <laughs> like they're, yeah. they're not they're not doing it because they think it'll be a lark. Mm. Like, oh yes, <laughs> let's go and be evil terrorists. That sounds like a great Saturday night. But so it was a bit peculiar the way he was grinning away. Like, it, not just him. Like they all seem to be uh, having oh, fun. Oh, they're all they're all having a good time, aren't they? <laughs> yeah. I, I did notice something in that scene though. I don't know if picked up on that. Her bra is actually hanging on the lamp. Oh. Did you notice that? No, I didn't. I oh, didn't yeah, at all. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the bra is hanging on the lamp. Isn't that a fire hazard? Mm. <laughs> yeah, well, do you think they put it there for like, well, this couple who are getting it on? Mm. I don't know, improve the ambience. Yeah. Well, that, oh, that's going to burst into flames. Surely you've got the, the <laughs> flammable material. You've got the underwiring, maybe. I can't tell. <laughs> but yeah. What I wonder, though, is that was that door locked before? Or did, they have to, like, did Marco have to kick that door in? Because that seems like if you're getting oh, that yeah. into it, you think, you, you know, to the point where you're flinging bras over the lamp, 
you think you want to be make sure that door is secure that no one's just going to wander in, <laughs> in the middle of this you know <laughs> you'd think so wouldn't you mm. they're, they're, they're caught up in the heat of the moment yeah well she, she is <laughs> well he's not got his clothes off but she's, she's got them on it's the 80s nobody wanted to see a, a naked man in the 80s <laughs> arguably most shows yeah, still don't really it's just like <laughs> yeah it's like, oh, only guy, one or two yeah it's just like yeah well you know, the guy will get his shirt off I guess but that's yeah, you don't want to see the junk you know that's, that's <laughs> but uh, to be honest yeah nobody does that's that's not nice I don't, I, think, I don't think even like the female viewers like people will complain about, like this is some form of sexism and yeah it is but it is kind of like do you really want to see these things just flung up on the screen ladies <laughs> no one does we all know that no none of us do but with them then though James brings to check this room. As I alluded to earlier, I think this is one of the the sexy terrorists. This is. Uh... <laughs> Wait, so do you do you mean the one who looks like Fabio? Oh, you think he uh, reminded me of the guy from Samurai Cop? Like I thought uh, for a yeah, split yeah. second, I was like, is that the guy? I was like, no. Well, he's well just... he reminds me of Fabio too. <laughs> it looks like um, a young Jerry Cantrell from Alice in Chains. Look that up. That's what he looks like. <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah. No, you're right. <laughs> but the uh, the character is Fritz, and uh, oh, there you go, Fritz. Perfect. Fritz. Yeah, but the... that that makes up for the other lack of German name. Before. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, how do you know the you know the sexy terrorist is going to be called Fritz? <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> but uh, and he's played by Hans Bucheringer. Bucheringer, but Booth. I'm not too sure the, what the German pronunciation of that would be, but. Uh, Buringer? I can't oh, see the name. I say like a German, he's Austrian apparently. But the thing is, well, it's, it's similar, similar pronunciation. But this this guy is a frustrating mystery to me because you look him up. Apparently, he was a pop star at one point, and he had a single out called "Try." And you can see the the cover of this single is very easy to get. It's like him in a studded leather jacket with the hair flowing, just like you know, smoldering into the camera. And I can't find the song anywhere. I can't find any evidence of what it sounds like, whether he's singing on it, whether he's, you know, he's like a Van Halen-esque character of just like, oh, he plays guitar or whatever. But uh, no, they've only got him down for his IMDb. And they, they call him a film director, but he directed one short in 2008. I was like, I don't know if, that's, if that makes you a, a movie director guy. <laughs> like yeah, I, I directed one short um, about... 13 years ago. So can I put that on my LinkedIn? The time get, get, get the IMDb, John. Come on, you could, you're, you're ready to go right there. So Yeah, does that count me as an actor? Because I've been an, an extra. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you could be you've been an extra in a couple of things. You could technically, <laughs> yeah. I think that uh, that qualifies you. Mm. But yeah, in case people didn't know, we're talking with one of the stars of Captain America here. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> I'm in one of the Fast and Furious movies as well. I don't remember which one. Yeah. Were you fast or were you furious? Both. <laughs> oh, oh. I was walking down the street whilst uh, cars were just zooming past. The thing is, though... Well, I think it might be five. I don't know. It's, it was the new one, eight. No, um... The newest one was seven. Was it... I thought the newest one was eight. Or maybe there's an eight oh, was coming. It eight? I'm a fan and I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that says it all. I will say, though... I like these movies. Hang on. <laughs> it's eight, yeah. Have you read, um, James... Vigo's character biography on IMDb. I was stunned to find out because he's got a diehard wiki entry, and I think, I think Wilhelm was forty-seven at the time, and they list him on the diehard wiki has been aged thirty-four in this. 
And it's like, <laughs> that is some rough 34 years that guy's had. <laughs> that's the oh, age of that guy. We've read his life. We know he's had a rough life. Yeah, but like, that's like, Jesus, that's really showing right there. I mean, God. Well, we, we see now John McClane, though, uh, in one of his iconic shots here, I think, because I always think of him running up the metal staircase barefoot, yeah. which looks extremely painful to me. But, you know, if your life's on the line, you're going to put up with it. And much worse things happen to his feet later. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. God, yeah. Yeah, I'm, 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 I do enjoy this, the execution of essentially, you know, Chekhov's gun. Where it's like, they introduced a thing about him having to take off the shoes right back in the first the first scene. Here it is again. And then here it is now again. It's just like, yeah, he's not got his shoes on. Oh, my God. You know, like, <laughs> and that's one of the most ingenious things in Die Hard. It's just like, we've got all this great stuff going on. And in the middle of it, it's like, eh, what if he's, what, what if he's not wearing any shoes? You know, this, this <laughs> yeah. makes things extra difficult <laughs> for him, you know? Well, that must have been a, a discussion that they, they sat down and said, you know, let's come up with the character, his look and things like that. They must have consciously gone, he can't be wearing any shoes. <laughs> like, that's, that's integral. I think it's in the, the book. Yeah, but that doesn't have to be in the movie because it's not like, it doesn't follow the book particularly closely, does it? It's like, sort of. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's, uh, but that's, that's, that's kind of, you know, him booting up the stairs and that's kind of the, uh, it for the action. Well, do, do you guys do anything barefoot? Though this is a, this is an important question because I'm not that into no, it. No, I, no, no, I'm not a barefoot, no, no. Not a barefoot guy at all. No, I mean in my own house I can tolerate it, but I, I still don't really like it. Any other context? Nope, no one's seeing my feet. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a proper like socks and bed guy, like which I know that's a whole that's a whole kettle of fish to open that one. <laughs> like that's a major debate <laughs> yeah. with most people. But uh, I think yeah, this this situation. Well, I guess though to be fair, like they did set up a, a deliberate thing of like. McLean has his, you know, his shoes off at, for this reason. So it's like, yeah, it's like, maybe, you know, they've given him the excuse of like, well, yeah, I guess if I was in that situation where I was trying that out, yeah, you would, you would be, uh, you would be barefoot too. So it's, uh, it's not a matter of preference, unfortunately, <laughs> this time. It's not, he's not doing it for fun, no. Interesting, we should talk about this. The one relating back to Captain America, it's the one scene where he's running through the streets barefoot. Oh. And Chris Evans actually had a set of fake bare feet over his feet. Ah, that's really weird, but makes sense, I suppose. Yeah, so I'm wondering if some of the scenes if Bruce Willis was wearing fake feet. Mm. What if he'd have had the fake feet and then socks on underneath? Mm. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) He very well could have done, because that's a lot of running around. Yeah, yeah, probably. I think the back of that point, though, is just like, ah, this is the guy from Moonlighting. What's he going to... He's got no rights. We're not going to comfort him in any way. You know, ah, just do it. Just do it, dude. What, do you, what you think? You, you want to be a star? You got to take the, the tough stuff first, guy. Come on, you know? <laughs> <laughs> we should at least say to guys, like, do you have a particular... Like, what's your experience of Die Hard? Like, what, is it, like, one of your favorites? Do you remember the first time you watched it? Or anything oh, like that? yeah, yeah. I don't remember the first time I watched it, but I used to watch it all the time with my grandma. With your, with your grandmother? And yeah, with my grandma. My grandma loved Bruce Willis. <laughs> and I, well, in, when we were doing on my Minutes in the Bat Minute, 89, I mentioned she hated Jack Nicholson. She found him scary. She loved Bruce Willis. Yeah. And we could always watch Bruce Willis movies. So she loved that. Yeah. That's what's wondering what, what, what Aww, people are speculating in Gaz's life. It's a guy, English guy living in Hong Kong, knows it. Hong Kong, sorry, knows an awful lot about guns and watched Die Hard with his grandmother repeatedly. So, it's like, <laughs> yeah. who yeah. is this guy? Standard upbringing, really. <laughs> so that does it for minute twenty-four of Die Hard Minute. Unfortunately, join us again tomorrow because we'll be back with you guessed it, minute twenty-five. Very exciting. All these minutes are good, to be honest. 
Uh, make sure to check us out if you like us. You probably don't, but uh, if you if you found us enjoyable in any form, check out our podcast, Bat Minute Eighty Nine, and we're on Facebook and Twitter. Just look at Bat Minute Eighty Nine. That'll that'll take you to us. We're we're all over the place. Uh, and if you want to get in touch with anyone involved with Die Hard Minute, then make sure to tweet at Die Hard Minute. Check out the Facebook page, Die Hard with a Podcast Listeners Limo. Um, try and remember that. And then there's the big site, diehardminute.com. You can also check everything out there. And if you'd like to catch up on other Movies by Minutes podcasts, then visit moviesbyminute.com for more information. And you can find us on there and every show, like all the big ones, Star Wars, Indiana Jones, Back to the Future, all of them, all available. And that does it for Minute 24. See you again tomorrow. Tell me you got that. I got it, I got it. Hit your heart on Channel 5.